So back in June, the end of June, we started our study on uh, Hebrews 11 and by faith, whatever. And actually this morning, we will finish Hebrews chapter 11 since we started in June. And actually at eight o'clock, do you know what they did when I said that? They clapped. How rude. They clapped that we were. But I got them back and said, we're done with Hebrews 11, but we're not done with the series. That doesn't act actually end until next week. But, but we have been studying this entire chapter for the sake, and I hope this has been true for you, that you would say that over the months, you have increasingly had this sense and desire and accomplished it, that you would live by faith whatever these months have brought you. Hurricane? More faith? Was there faith more in that moment? See, whatever the coming months, the coming years, whatever the Lord gives us, it is our desire that we would be people of faith, whatever. And Hebrews 11, this passage we've been studying for months now, is written because folks were suffering. And the writer wanted those who were suffering to be encouraged in their suffering. And he wanted them to be encouraged because oftentimes there's this temptation to throw away our confidence in God. I hope as you engaged in our time of worship this morning that your confidence in God was lifted up because the fact that you can trust him. Whether he does exactly what you ask or not, that you can trust him, even in the midst of Suffering, And so last week, we introduced a section at the end of Hebrews 11 where he changes tactics. All along, for months, we've been looking at one story after another. And then he gets to the end of the chapter and goes, look, this chapter is never going to end. I'm going to run out of time if I keep this pace. And so he starts throwing everything in the bucket with a summary of, man, God is doing supernatural things. And here's all the stuff he threw in that bucket. In Hebrews 11, verse 32, he said, and what more shall I say? For, for time's going to fail me if I tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophets and who by faith, what did they do? They conquered kingdoms. They performed acts of, acts of righteousness. They obtained promises. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the power of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword from weakness, were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. I mean, this is a, a reminder to those who were suffering your God has throughout all of human history been supernaturally enabling and intervening and providing for his children. And not just Old Testament stuff, Old Testament stuff, New Testament stuff, and when else? Oh, thank you. Wow. I was like, oh, my word. Yes. And now, not just, not just a long time ago, not just when... The Old Testament was being written, not just when Jesus walked the planet. Now that God is supernaturally intervening and working for his children. Human history is filled with it. And so we simply called this, we went, by faith, wow. That, that we would be able to trust a God who can do beyond what we can even imagine. History is filled with God doing the wow. And Jesus said to his disciples, he gets them together. He tells them, 
uh, I'm about to leave and their hearts are troubled. He said, don't, don't let your hearts be troubled. You think this. You think that because all the supernatural has happened when I have been with you, either through me or through you, you're concerned that when I would leave the planet, so is the supernatural. That's not the case. Here's what he tells them. He says in John chapter 14, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, do you believe in him? (laughs) The works that I do, he will do also. You still believe? (laughs) That seems a little extreme. Yeah, the works that I do, he'll do also. He will, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Actually, Jesus going to the Father was not going to cause the supernatural work of God to disappear from their life. What was it going to cause? What did it say? It was going to increase that we could trust him to work in dramatic ways. And so, when we face difficulty, do we face it with Faith, when you have the impossible in front of you or in your family or with somebody you love, do you face it with faith? Meaning, do you face it believing that God can and not only can, but does the supernatural? That God can do the miraculous and not only can, but he does. Not used to. He does the miraculous. Do you believe that? Do you engage the impossible, the hard, the difficult in your life with that level of confidence? God, you can change this. That's what Jesus was telling his disciples. Believe, believe in me. Believe that God can and does still do the miraculous. Now, faith, we've said, is not only truth, and this is truth here. Faith has a corresponding action to truth. Gave it away. Uh, uh, A corresponding partner to truth, which is action. Yeah, way to listen. Uh, Which is what Jesus said. After he said, hey, it's not going to decrease, it's going to increase. Therefore, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. So the corresponding action to the truth, I still, not just used to, I still do the miraculous is to do what? What's the corresponding action? Ask. Believe that he can. And so ask that he will. Now again, if you, if you missed last week, I readily confess For many years of my Christian life, I was reluctant to ask because I was reluctant to really believe. I wasn't sure that the stuff that got labeled the miraculous in my lifetime wasn't just a fake. It wasn't just a put on. Or if it was real, it seemed to be overseas or for a select few. And so I was reluctant to ask that he would because what if he didn't? What do you do with that? Well, how have I resolved that? I hope this has helped you. 
I have resolved it simply by remembering the definition of ask. I ask is no legitimate answer to an ask. Absolutely. Folks, if God has given you the privilege of having children, have you ever been asked and said no? Yeah. If not, I would have a difficult time putting you in the category of good parent. Even though your kids made you think, no, everybody else's parents said yes. See, the whole thought is a no means you don't love me, you don't care, you're against me. And actually, that's not true at all. An ask is that. It's an ask. And so a legitimate answer is no. But because I was afraid of no, I was afraid to ask because I wasn't sure I could really believe. I hope that you're growing in that like I am. I don't think I'm done growing. I hope we'll continue to grow believing and asking and not shrinking back. So after teaching last week, went home, got a quick lunch, and then ran to the airport. And so we didn't get to have family group last Sunday night because I spent this past week out in Estes Park, Colorado, suffering for Jesus. <laughs> now, I was out there teaching at a Bible school, and it was a, it was a great, great opportunity beautiful place, beautiful weather. I got to teach uh, young people the scriptures, 1 Corinthians, real joy. But the greatest joy of this past week was this, an email that though we didn't have family group, all of us in family group got an email from one of our members. She says to the family group, I wanted to share a huge blessing that has happened in my life this week, so we can all praise God together. I've always felt so blessed and honored that all of you have continually prayed for healing from my chronic pain. It has convicted me to ask for that myself more often. It was in second service in North this past Sunday when Doug prayed at the end of his sermon for all experiencing trials. I prayed quietly that if God wanted to take away my pain and fatigue, that he would. And almost instantaneously, my pain vanished. Yeah. See, it's, it's when you actually know the person. You know they weren't faking it beforehand. She, she goes on. I was in more pain than what my typical baseline level of pain. So it was pretty dramatic difference. Although I honestly didn't know at first if I actually was pain-free, which sounds silly, but I've had 24-7 pain for 15 years. So I don't know what normal feels like. But after a few days of having more energy than I've ever had and doing all kinds of things with no pain, I can confidently say that God has removed my chronic pain. Folks, is that, is that the miraculous? Yeah, that's the miraculous. And then she says, I don't know if he wants to do it temporarily or permanently, but I am so thankful For this gift he has given me. And you can imagine how my heart soared even out in Colorado to 15 years. Now, can you guess with me that she had asked the Lord for healing before? Yes. Not as much, she says, as I probably should have. But I have asked. 
And we as a group have asked. And this time, God said, yes. Now, what are, we, what are we prone to do when God says yes? We're prone to go back and go, okay, what did we do differently that time? What was the formula that worked? Because we got to bottle it so that we can use it the next time. Isn't that the way we think? It's just, or, and some of you are going, okay, how'd that happen? Why didn't that happen for me? Because I need that app. That's what we're used to. We just download the app and then it works for everybody all the time. But the healing of God doesn't seem to work. Well, it works like an app because some apps don't work. <laughs> but we're prone to go, how, do, how can I get in on that? And I want to encourage you. You know how you get in, get in on that? You believe and ask. That, that's the magic formula. Well, it didn't work before. I know. Because it's not... A magic formula. It's a relationship. I keep believing and I keep asking. So don't get lost in, okay, what was different that time? The other thing that we're prone to think is, is this. I love her last line. I don't know if he wants to do it temporarily or permanently. You know what she's getting at? If it comes back, did God heal her? Okay, folks, if you're wrestling with that, how long does a blind man have to see before he was healed? How long does a deaf man have to hear before he was healed? How long did Lazarus have to live before he was really raised from the dead? You understand what I'm saying? If he had died the next day, well, he died the next day. Oh, hello, folks. He had been dead four days, walked out of the tomb. People went, I hadn't seen this one before. He was alive. Did he actually die again? Does that take away from the resurrection whatsoever? Please, please. I, I really appreciate that. Hey, if the chronic pain comes back, thank the Lord for the, for the time of healing relief. And some of you really know personally what that means. If it come back, uh, if it come back, what do you do? You believe and ask. In the meantime, I encourage you every morning, get up and say, Father, I, I believe that you can continue to keep it removed. I'm asking that you will. We just really are, we're, kind, we're, we're some kind, sometimes, well, I am. I'm just sometimes kind of stupid and dense when it comes to this stuff. We think it's, you know, it's our one shot at it. This is relationship of faith, whatever. And so every day, Every moment of the day, I'm believing and I'm asking, genuinely asking, believing that he can, not demanding that he won't, demanding that he does, but just asking. So I encourage you because there were 100 plus people who stood last week, right? And I didn't get 100 emails. There may have been some other joyful yeses that didn't email me. I'm rejoicing 
with you. And for those who you're saying, well, nothing happened for me, don't, don't let that be the end of your believing. Continue believing by asking. So, I shared at the end last week, but there's a rest of the story. There's more to the story. And so if you're there in Hebrews 11, how's verse 35 start? And women, verse 35, Hebrews 11, how's it start? Women receive back their dead by resurrection. Super, God supernaturally intervening. And then it continues. And others were tortured. And at first you're like, whoa, I feel like I'm back in kindergarten. Which of these doesn't belong? That that doesn't fit the context. But he doesn't just throw in a, a one abnormal situation. And others were tortured, not accepting their release, he says, so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings. Yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. Not like the guys in Colorado last week. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Uh, I can't imagine that. That's beyond. Why were they sawn in two? For their faith, for their belief in God, sawn in two. They were tempted. Suddenly, tempted doesn't sound nearly as bad as it used to. They were put to death with a sword. Heads chopped off. Sword through the heart. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. This is, this is a whole different story, isn't it now? And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. You see, last week, by faith, wow. But there is another side to the story. By faith, ouch. And I don't mean that lightly at all. I mean... I faith, ouch. This is when we go, man, we could just do with part one. Part two is never as good as part one. But this is, this is the fullness of what it means to live by faith. Yes, God supernaturally intervenes. And other times, God doesn't. You see... I think what the author is giving to us here as he builds their confidence in God is he is he's cautioning them something. As we've worked through months now of God supernaturally working, we need to make sure that we don't confuse confidence with God with a guarantee. A guarantee of what? <laughs> of a desired outcome. You see, I want you to be encouraged to believe so that you'll ask, but I don't want you to believe that believing always brings the hour desired outcome. I remember 
Jackie often saying, especially when our kids were younger, I want to trust the Lord with our kids. It's just hard that he doesn't promise they'll always be safe. Does he? Does he? No, he doesn't. And so trusting him isn't meaning, yes, if I trust him enough, that means they'll always be safe because that is not a guarantee. This whole ending paragraph to Hebrews 11, if I could summarize it, is this, that by faith, people experienced the miraculous, miraculous deliverance, they experienced miraculous healing, and they experienced miraculous power. And not just then, that continues today, by faith. But others experienced loss and suffering and death. And here's the kicker. How? By faith. Yes. You see, Hebrews 11 is intent on making sure that you and I don't think that where there's sufficient faith, that we're always equal desired outcome. And that's prevalent in our day, but that turns faith into a tool to get God to do what we want instead of faith being the relationship where we trust whatever he believes is best. It's just, we wrestle with. How can being sawn in two be best? How can that possibly be best? What was the line that stood out to me as we sang this morning? By the cross, what do we know? He's on our side. The pierced side, the pierced hands, the crucified Jesus is the reminder to me that even being sawn in two can be God's best if the cross was God's best for the Son. So, Let's, let's make sure. I always feel the need, as we're seeking to grow in faith, that we make sure that we see the full picture. Did they suffer in Hebrews 11 because they lacked faith? Yes or no? No. It says by faith they suffered these things. Do some people suffer because of a lack of faith? Absolutely. Remember this from last week if you were here? You don't have because you don't ask. Some people lack healing because they didn't ask. And they probably didn't ask because they didn't believe. There is a believing that leads to an asking that can lead to a healing that wouldn't be there or an empowering that wouldn't be there or an intervention that wouldn't have happened had we not asked. So let's ask. That's what I want to keep encouraging us. Let's believe and ask. Sometimes we don't have because we don't ask. But James continues. You ask and you don't receive. 
Oh, well, so I thought the key was to ask. No, he says, you ask and you still don't receive. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You're asking God to do something for you, for you, not ultimately for you, for him. Now, what? if you would, look up here. Let's make sure we're saying. By faith, God works. So sometimes it's because we don't ask that he doesn't work. Sometimes we do ask, but we ask for wrong motive. He doesn't work. Do we therefore conclude that when we ask and he doesn't work, it's because it was always wrong motive? I'm going to show you from the scripture absolutely no. This is not true. That If he says no, it's not always because when we did ask, it was wrong motive. But before we look at the scripture, I want you to watch that what God says no when people suffer is not just Old Testament stuff, just not New Testament stuff. It's now. It's present day. We live in a world where you and I live in relative safety, but we have brothers and sisters who are part of our family in Christ, who live around this world, who suffer even though they ask not to. And so International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church reminded us of those who are suffering because of their faith, and I want you to watch this, and then we'll talk about it in a moment. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. received this calling from the Lord, but the Lord has got a purpose for us as a family to live out our love for him, our love for the Africans, to serve, and here we are. God, take our lives and make with us whatever you find pleasant and, and good in your purpose. So it was a normal day for us, and Vanna just went to the office, and he was teaching that morning. Actually, that was the routine every day. And for the children, if they didn't have a weekend or didn't interact with their friends, they were doing schoolwork. Both of them have got a deep walk with the Lord, and there's this hunger for the Lord that's very precious. And they are growing. They are growing in their faith day by day. And it's wonderful to be their mom and experience how they are growing. Um and living their lives for the Lord in a place like Afghanistan. most wonderful thing the parent can do for his child is to bring him up in the Lord's way so that he knows who his creator is and that he can have a loving relationship 
with the Lord and live a life for that purpose. I've asked myself many times in the past, Lord, is this really where you want us? Because of all the difficulties, the challenges, we can lose our lives anytime for the Lord. When I look at that in the spiritual realm, I know that he will not take us to a place like Afghanistan and just dump us there and he doesn't have a plan and a purpose for that. So I know 100% that we are in the right place, that we are obedient to the calling. Tell my children, um, John Pierre and today, you will face a very difficult day today, um, and I'm not going to be there to help you. And Daddy is also not going to be there to help you. But Jesus is going to be there to help you through this, and He will be there. He promised never to leave us, nor forsake us. I believe they are in front of the Lord's throne, worshipping Him, praising Him, glorifying Him. And that they are just waiting for me to finish the race as well. The text says, men of whom the world is not worthy. Did you hear the dad ask as he ran down the stairs? Lord, help us. And in that situation, not because of a lack of believing or lack of asking, in the wisdom, sovereign purposes of God, it wasn't that God abandoned him. God chose not to deliver it's the sort of thing that makes us afraid to trust him, right? It's the sort of thing that makes us afraid to say yes to God, to the nations, to say yes to God with regards to our children. But I want us to understand this morning. Go back and read the text of what you're wrestling with. That This is not about selfish motives. This is about the fact that 
God is working for his glory. And his glory is accomplished both in miraculous deliverance and in suffering. And if we think that it's only in miraculous deliverance, then we've forgotten the cross. That the purposes of God are often accomplished through the cross and through suffering. And so it's not that we want to have faith because faith always delivers. It's that we want to have faith to believe that he can deliver and ask that he will, but to then trust when he doesn't. When the Apostle Paul gives his personal testimony in 2 Corinthians 12, he says, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Now, the New Testament doesn't define what the thorn in the flesh specifically was, but what does a thorn in the flesh indicate? Pain, suffering. And I, I should have said, by the way, before we looked at 2 Corinthians 12, that we're pretty, pretty determined to deliver it, to pray for our own pain, to ask deliverance from our own suffering. But part of what, why each year we do emphasize that International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church is to encourage you, as Hebrews 13 then says, Pray for those in prison as, you, as if you were there with them. And so part of you not just being exposed to statistics this morning, the decision to expose you to a particular individual family was that you would remember there are families like your family who for the sake of the gospel by faith are suffering and, and we want to encourage you to pray for them. We have a, a prayer room this morning that's set aside for after this service, whether you want to pray five minutes or 25 minutes, just like last week when we prayed for our country, if you would want to go by there, and not for our country, but for our family, though we've never met them, for our family who suffers for Jesus. There is in your bulletin some information that I want to give you that you can use to pray outside of this Sunday for a persecuted family. And so I just want to encourage you to remember them as they experience their pain. Paul said, I experience a thorn in the flesh. And when we experience pain, what are we invited to do? To believe that God can take it away and to ask, which is exactly what Paul does. He says, concerning this, I implored the Lord. This wasn't casual. I begged God Take it away. And Paul then goes on to say, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for powers perfected in weakness, which is a really nice, polite way of God saying what? <laughs> no, I'm not going. You're going to stay in the pain. You're going to continue to experience the difficulty. And so Paul determines this. Most gladly, therefore, I'll rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. You see, he doesn't say, well, if God won't do what I ask, then forget him. He says, I'm going to believe and therefore I'm going to ask, 
But I'm asking, and the evidence that I'm asking is that I will trust what he does. Never forget that. The evidence of our asking is that we trust what he does. The evidence of our believing is our asking. Did you follow that? The evidence of our believing is our asking. And the evidence of our asking is our trusting, not a demandingness. You see, when I have a clenched fist at God, when he says, no, it reveals I wasn't asking. It reveals that I was demanding. And so Paul says, most gladly, therefore, I'll boast in it. I'll trust in what he does. And he continues, therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Now track with me. The evidence of our believing is that we ask. The evidence that we are asking is that we trust. And the evidence, finally, of our trusting is our praise of him no matter what. Don't mistake, don't mistake the, the woman's tears for bitterness. Tears of grieving to bury her husband and her children. But a clear trusting in him demonstrated by her praise. Praising him no matter what. We often praise him after deliverance happens, right? But you know, this occurred to me afresh, this study. When I praise him when the deliverance happens, that actually is not an act of faith. That's sight. I'm giving praise for what I can see. Praising him when he doesn't do what I ask as a reflection of trust is actually an act of faith. This is why we say that the language of our faith is thanksgiving. Whatever that the language of our faith is thanksgiving, whatever. We serve a God who does the miraculous, and we serve a God who suffers, both. And so, last week... We ended with, let's believe and ask. This week, I want us to end with trusting him and suffering, demonstrated most clearly by the Lord's Supper. And so I'm going to ask the men to come and to pass the elements. And you can, you can close your Bible, but don't shut down, if you will, from what we're talking about. Because the, evident, the Lord's Supper is exactly a reflection of what we're talking about. Chuck, if you could, let me step up here and get a piece of bread. Because when the bread comes by and you tear it off, that is a reflection of the torn body of Jesus. And when the cup comes by and, and you take this cup, it is a reflection of that Jesus was obedient even to the point of death.
And so, as these elements are being passed, I want to invite you with whatever hard is going on in your life that you would be willing there in your seat as you remember your suffering Jesus that you would be willing to say to him I trust you I trust you I trust you with my health I trust you with my kids I trust you with what's hard I trust you declare that to him and then I'll lead us in taking it Father of heavenly lights fount of wisdom and love all is laid bare in your sight you know my I believe you will provide all I need in my life. I will not fear anymore, for I will ever trust in Jesus, trust in Jesus, trust.
Maybe you're finding it hard to declare those words because you're afraid of what that might mean. Can I remind you that these elements remind us that he is trustworthy. The bread reminds us that his body was torn, the cup that his blood was spilled so that that he took my sin and he took your sin and the punishment that we deserved upon himself so that we could not perish but have everlasting life. Are you trusting him for forgiveness of sin? Are you trusting him for your salvation? Yes or no? Are you trusting in him? But it doesn't just trust for heaven. When Jesus, just hours before what these symbols represent, he's in the garden and he says, Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. You see, he's asking just what we've built. He's asking, if possible, let this cup pass from me. Next word. But. But not my will. Your will be done. He's trusting. See, to trust Jesus is to say, I believe that he is my sin bearer. He is my forgiver. He is my life. And I trust him not only for eternity, but I trust him for the here and the now. I ask and I trust. I ask and I trust him with my kids. I ask and I trust him with my life. I ask and I trust him with my future. I ask and I trust him with this country. I trust him. Would you you tell him right now, I trust you, Lord Jesus, as my forgiver. I trust you with my life. And as a reflection of that, would you take with me? Jesus, thank you that you have shown to us that we can trust you. We can trust the Father. We can trust you and ask you for deliverance and healing and freedom, for the breaking of slavery to sin, for the bringing back of our sons and our daughters. We can trust you. 
when the pain stays, we can trust you. When they stay away, and we can trust you when you say no. Thank you for being our good and perfect Heavenly Father. Thank you for that which is hard. We glory in it. For your strength is made perfect in our weakness. Your goodness is made perfect in our heart. And so we say, Father, we're content with that which you choose. And we love you because you first loved us in Christ's name. Amen. I want to remind you that that we can pray. Prayer is available right here. And then praying for the persecuted church right here. Would you be people of prayer trusting our God this morning? God bless.